Hey, it's Charlotte. It's Shelby. It's Riley. And it's time to smut up in a listen. Today's trigger warning is kidnapping and explicit sexual content. Just a reminder for today's episode and all future episodes, our opinions are subjective. We don't advocate for kink shaming or author shaming. This is all in good smutty fun. Enjoy. We got more reviews on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. I'm trying to change my career into singing. This is a singing podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> our review is from It's. Jazabelle. Yes! (laughs) Found this podcast on Instagram and gave it a shot. I'm usually not a podcast person, but this one is so fun and makes my morning coffee so much more enjoyable. (gasps) Thank you, Jazabelle. Thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoy your coffee with extra cream. Ew. (laughs) Shelby. (laughs) Dirty girl. We are going to actually be doing a shout out for another podcast. (gasps) It's a similar podcast. So it is three girls. Their names are Mags, Joe, and Zan. They are so sweet. They are very they, Yeah, they're super nice. Yes. We've been chit-chatting a little bit on Instagram. So they're doing a deep dive into Akatar. And they're like really that. funny. Yeah, they are really funny. Yeah, I like and they're doing a good job on the deep Yeah, dive. they like drink. I think they drink like wine mm-hmm. during it. It's called Three Whiny Witches. And whiny is spelled like wine. Wine. The grapes. Like the grapes. <laughs> Yeah, you guys should check them out. You mm-hmm. should. Uh, they do fantasy romance with the occasional romance or whatever comes along, but their main main focus is fantasy romance. So I think after they finish Akatar, they'll probably pick another series of like a similar series. Yeah, that's super cool. I know. Yeah, so if you're into fantasy romance and you're looking for a podcast, go check out Three Whiny Witches. Please do yeah, it. Yeah, they're super cute. Yeah. Super cute, super sweet, very funny. Do it. Yeah, do it. Do it or I'll come hunt you down. So Shelby had a fun idea. I did. Where at the beginning of the episode, we each pick a bonkers quote just to read. So Riley just kind of has an idea of what she's getting herself into. <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be super fun. I can go first. Um, my highlight for you, Riley, her cunt can be my sustenance. All else is unworthy of notice. And mine is, your nectar fills your cunt for me. He murmurs into my ear and then tenderly licks the shell. Shall I sip it and taste of my meat? (laughs) So there's your unhinged, um, so there are cooies in this song. There are cooies. There are cooies. We are going to be covering Barbarian Alien by Ruby Dixon. And this is the second book in the Ice Planet Barbarian series. I picked this one. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) This is a reread for me. Shelby's first time reading it. Yes, it was my first time reading it. And did you like it? Not as much as the first one. I'll definitely say that. It's still good, but I there's always something about that one character. The first character you read in the series is like, I feel like for me personally, is always just the top favorite. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to like... I can get that. Yeah. Because you connect with them like immediately and it's your first one. And then... This one is a four star for me. What'd you rate this one? I think I rated it three. It was just so funny to see the contrast of like what some people think about it. And then I know Charlotte loves these books. Monsters, aliens... That's automatically, you get three stars just for that. And then I allow oh, I did it at 3.5. I mean, it's not getting a Pulitzer, but no. <laughs> it's good. It's entertaining. All right. So we start out in Liz's POV. Do you remember Liz from the last? Yes. 
she, was she the one that could hear that's kira yeah that's kira she was my favorite character that was like super sarcastic it was like i think they're banging back there oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's like bestie yeah i did notice on the last episode i got liz and kira mixed up my apologies but liz is the one who does not have the translator no. device kira has the translator device but okay. this book is about liz oh, okay okay and it's rahash right correct okay yeah. Which I kind of, he was kind of a dick in the last one, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's like surly and grumpy and, uh-huh. yeah. And when they get their cooies, I don't know if you remember, but he like takes Liz away. Yeah, yes. like, he like kind of kidnapped her a little bit. Uh-huh. That's right, that's right. Okay, so we kind of jump back a little bit to when the girls are releasing the six girls from the stasis tubes. When the aliens come to take them from the place that they've been waiting for. No, Georgie. Yes. So Liz, Kira, Megan, and Georgie release the six girls from the stasis tubes. Liz is weak and lethargic because she's been waiting for Georgie to get back this entire time. Megan is the healthiest of the group that stayed behind, and Josie has a broken leg that nobody can fix. Kira has a sprained ankle, and Tiffany is, like, on death's door. Like, she's like... So they just released the six girls from the stasis tubes, And Liz says, the panel lifts from the wall with a hiss, just like in the sci-fi movies. Inside is a girl in t-shirt and panties, weird coils wrapped around her body and feeding into her throat. That's like the Matrix? Remember when Neo was just like, that's what I had. They start ripping the tubes and cords off of her body and the girl collapses onto the floor and starts vomiting. The girl is freaking out and crying and suddenly all the pods start to open. Like, all at once. So they, like, set off a chain reaction. Oh, God. The girl nearest to Liz is hysterical, and Liz is trying really hard not to freak out on her for being, like, a whole thing. So Liz is like, oh, my God, can you calm down? She's like, God, bitch. Chill. I know this is traumatic, but, like, don't shed a tear. Yeah. She's like, I'm fucking dying. You just woke up. Calm down. She says, look, I feel like shit, and I'm probably a few steps behind Tiffany on the death ladder. But am I squealing and moaning? No. No, I am not. I am sucking it the fuck up. So, like, that's Liz. Okay, Liz. (laughs) The new girls notice the aliens, because the aliens are here at this point to rescue them. Mm -hmm. And they start freaking out even more. Because, like, the last thing they remember is falling asleep in their beds. And then all of a sudden, they're waking up here. And there's, like, big blue dudes. Yeah. And they're, like, girls that smell like fucking shit and piss uh and these like aliens are like hey i'm fixing to fuck (laughs) you yes (laughs) you gonna take this you do a lot of call red i know he's a hero (laughs) this episode is dedicated to paul red we love you love you xoxo (laughs) um so georgie and kira start trying to explain everything to the new girls i think they're like the probably the nicest one yeah i agree liz is annoyed at the girls for complaining while they have food and fire because the original girls didn't even have that to start off with. So the the aliens at this point have brought them provisions. And the girls are like, oh my god, this is so terrible. But the original girls have like just been eating seaweed bars and shitting in a bucket. Freezing to death. Yeah. And they're like, do you not understand how, how lucky good. you are? <laughs> Georgie goes off to talk to the guys. So Liz decides to take charge in her absence since Georgie's the leader. Liz has everyone sit in a circle to start making introductions. Like the first day of class. <laughs> so there's a woman named Harlow. She is a redhead with freckles. Ariana is the annoying crier. There's Claire and Stacy, who apparently don't get any sort of description. They're just irrelevant. There. They're just there. They're there. Nora is fierce and angry. And there's a woman named Marlene who is in shock and has a French accent. And Liz introduces herself to the girls. And she says, 
I'm Liz Kramer. I'm 22, just like you guys. I was a data entry clerk in a small machine stamping office. I grew up in Oklahoma, and I like hunting and shooting things with a bow. And three weeks ago, I was kidnapped by aliens. I love to hunt. She's very, like, abrasive. Yeah. And in the first book, she wasn't. She was so jokey and, like, just mm-hmm. like, eh, whatever. And now she's, like, aggressive. Well, I mean, she's gone through it. Yeah. She's allowed to be. So Liz starts telling the girls what happened to them and how they were going to be sold into the intergalactic trade system. That's why they were kidnapped by the original aliens. Okay. Yeah. To be sold off like cattle. Yeah. Nora asks how they know that and Liz tells them that Kira has a translator stapled to her head since she was the first girl that got kidnapped. Gotcha. They tell the girls how Georgie was the one who went out to find help and she found Bechtel. She leaves out the part about Georgie and Bechtel banging it out and falling in love because that would probably freak them out a little. Probably a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the girls asks if the aliens are nice and Liz says they're conditionally nice and wonders how much she should tell them. Because our story is pretty fucking grim and there's not a lot of choices to be had. Not Hoth, it turns out, isn't a hospitable planet. In addition to being cold as heck and full of monsters that want to have us for dinner, our new home also has some sort of poisonous gas that's going to kill us slowly. The cure for the death sentence on this planet? A symbiont that the natives call a cooey, and we humans call a cootie. (laughs) The cootie is interested in propagating species, so when it sees two people that it thinks would be good mates and will make a perfect baby together, there's something called resonance that happens. The cootie starts vibrating in your chest whenever you're near your new mate, and it won't stop until the baby making happens. And Vectel's tribe of seven foot tall blue horned aliens, they've only got four females. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And didn't we end our last book in like Vectel telling Georgie that like, hey, you are with child. You are pregnant. You are pregnant. She's like, I'm late, but she's known him for two days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're going to have your baby tomorrow. Liz says that she's done talking and wants to go rest. Like she's had enough. She's sick and, like, really tired. Yeah. Because the atmosphere is trying to kill them. Yeah, and they've already been there almost eight days, which is, like, their time that they have to live mm-hmm. there. You so, need to get the cooey before the eight days is over. Liz didn't get her cooey yet? None of them have. We're So we're backtracking. That's back- right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. so they're about to take them to kill the animal that has the, like, heartworms. Yeah. Okay, the gotcha. Heartworms. <laughs> One of the aliens named Rahosh, comes up to Liz and gives her a cup with hot liquid in it. She tries to give it back. She's like, I don't want this. But Rahosh forces her to take it. So she drinks it and she said it tastes like concentrated pepper spray. So like all her food is super, super spicy. Ew. Rahosh says his name to Liz. He's like, Rahosh. And Kira, Kira, the one with the translator, tells Liz that it roughly translates to angry one who growls. That's what his name means. It's accurate. Yeah, he's a grump ass. Yeah. Liz doesn't like him at all and thinks he's way too pushy. She does notice that he isn't resonating. So when they're resonating, you hear like a purring sound coming from their chest and she's not hearing anything. Liz and Claire start talking about how ugly Rahash is like right in front of him because they think he can't understand them. But remember on the way to go get the girls, they stopped at the ship to get the laser beamed into their eyeball. That yeah. Language. He was like one of the first. He was the first one. He's like me. I will do it. So he That's knows right. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So like, you fucking asshole. Yeah, she. they're talking about how ugly they think he is. Like right in front of him. Oh, we get a description of Rahash. Rahash stands out from the others in a few different ways. For one, he's the tallest, which isn't much of a thing considering they all stand above seven feet. But it makes him seem to tower more than most. His shoulders aren't as broad as Vectel's, which means 
he's only enormous instead of gargantuan. And while Vectal seems to be more of a pure blue, Rahash is a darker shade, a grayish blue shade that makes him seem like more of an Eeyore than the others. The scars don't help that impression either. One side of his broad alien face is scarred up, deep gouges over his forehead and eye telling of a past encounter that he lost. They continue down his neck and disappear into his clothing. The horn on the side of his head is a jagged stump, his other arching upward as a sleek reminder of what he's missing. Add in a firm mouth pursed with dislike and narrow eyes that glow with the weird blue provided by the symbiont. I think it's a fair assessment to say that Rahash is scarier than the others. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds a little bit more scary. Uh-huh. I even thought from the first book that he just sounded. Yeah. Yankers. Yeah. Yikers. She says, I watch Rahash as he bends over and then stands up. He has a really long tail. I wonder if that's an indicator of anything going on in another hem area. Not that I care. Maybe if we have to get this parasite thing, it'll choose someone other than him. Wouldn't that just piss Mr. Pushy off? I fall back asleep daydreaming of the look on his face when my cootie rejects him. <laughs> so we can <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Also, like, it's so insane to me that, like, she's thinking about his dick. But yeah. she doesn't like him. Yeah. But she doesn't even have the cooey yet. So, like, yeah. why are you thinking about his dick? Why are you thinking about alien dick? <laughs> so we switch to Rahash's POV. And he's thinking about how his cooey's an idiot for choosing a human over one of the women in his tribe. So he is resonating. Mm-hmm. He notices that Liz seems more pale than the rest of the girls and decides that she will be the first one to get a cooey after the hunt. He says, all I know is that I'm resonating for one of the dying humans. And if she dies, she takes all my hopes and dreams with her. I have never had a mate. Never had a lover. Women are few in our clan, and women that want to mate with a scarred, surly hunter are even fewer. I never dreamed that I would have a mate of my own. Now she is here. I'm not entirely sure how to act, so I remain silent, and it takes all of my energy to will my cooey to remain silent when the humans stand up and begin to ready for the long trek back to the clan caves. So he's, like, forcing his cooey not to make any noise. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Liz doesn't know that he's resonating. So Rahash is hurt by hearing her tell Kira that she thinks he's scarier than the rest of the males. He thinks about how he and Liz seem to be very similar and that they're both very stubborn and thinks about how their children probably will be, too. Slow down. Slow down. Literally. She's like, goddamn. (laughs) I hate him. And he's like, our children will be great. (laughs) He sees Vectal and Georgie being playful with one another while they're getting ready to head out and he feels pangs of jealousy. He goes to get Liz up to leave and finds her unconscious. He picks her up and cradles her to him and she wakes up and starts to struggle, telling him to put her down. He ignores her because she's sick and clearly needs help, but Vectal warns him to put her down because they are not forcing the women to do anything against their will. So he relents and gives her foot coverings and some furs instead. Good. Yeah. He's not even thinking about mating at this point. He just wants her to get healthy. He leaves to go be with the other males because he can't be around her and not touch her. Let me touch your pussy. Yeah. <laughs> So we switch back to Liz's POV. She says, I like to think that I'm not particularly squeamish. I'm really not. My dad was a hunter and I grew up at his side, baiting fish, hooks, and skinning the day's catch so we could roast it over a fire. I'm an expert with a bow. I'm not half bad with tracking. I can butcher a carcass like a badass. But the Sakotsk is a creepy mutant motherfucker. So at this point, they are at the place where they're going to kill him. Yes. The little animal. And she's like, holy shit, this thing is fucking scary. Yeah. She describes it as a cross between a brontosaurus and a woolly mammoth. With like a spindly legs. Yeah. Like little tiny skinny legs. Ew. Yeah. It sounds scary. I hate that. Yeah. 
So she's weak and cold, and her foot is killing her. Her foot is injured. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. She's so far behind the others on their little excursion that Rahash picks her up and puts her over his shoulder and brings her to the trees where the women will hide while the males hunt. The Sakotsk is brought down by the hunters, and she's reminded of how much she misses hunting with her dad. So she she's, like, watching them, and she's like, damn, I wish I could do that. I don't want to kill her. Bechtel cuts the beast open and pulls out its heart, and the glowing worms are covering it. That Gross. That's the cooey. The cooey. She sees Bechtel cut a hole in Georgie's throat, and the cooey wriggles into her neck. Barf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liz says, oh, hell no. I'm not down with this shit. I have seen what worms do to an animal's heart. Hunters know you don't eat the diseased meat. You certainly don't sign up to become the diseased meat. Troy, do you want to live, bitch? <laughs> Honestly. Liz is absolutely panicking and tries to sneak away, but is stopped by Rahash. Like, she's like, I'm not doing this. He grabs her and puts her over his shoulder again, and she's screaming and flailing, and he puts her down and caresses her cheek. He motions for her to wait while he goes to the Sakotsk. Liz is feeling woozy and weak when Rahash returns with a cooey. He forces her down into the snow and pins her, as he cuts her collarbone, and she says that she's going to hate him forever if he does this. He leans in, and he places the coolie to her cut. She passes out from shock as it wriggles its way into her. Oh, so he broke a rule. You're yeah. supposed to make them do stuff that they don't want to do, and he was like, you're taking it. And then he said, you are going to take this coolie. I mean, would she rather die? At this point, probably. Yeah, she doesn't mention if she'd rather die or not, but she's like, for sure, like, I, I don't fucking want that. Mm-hmm. yeah but like she doesn't regret getting it no rahash is pov i tell myself that it doesn't matter that she'll hate me forever as i watch her unconscious body shiver and jerk acclimating to the cooey at least she will be alive my father and my mother never liked each other until the day my mother died she cursed my father their mating was a supremely unhappy one but they were still a family okay well that's miserable yeah, yeah. Once they get the cooey, can they, like, handle the weather? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it'll help them eat the food. Like, the spicy food tastes good. Okay. They start to like raw meat. They aren't as cold. Their body heals. Okay. Like, super fast. Okay. Oh, and their eyes glow blue. Yes. That's right. So he licks her unconscious body and debates where to take her. If he takes her back to the camp, he'll be punished for forcing her to take the cooey because that was, like, the main rule. No, no. He lets his cooey resonate freely since she's not awake and decides to take her and hide her. He will take her back to the camp when she's full with his child and they are officially mated. He's like, nothing can happen if she's obviously pregnant. She's gonna like it. And they're not gonna be mad anymore. No. He takes her to his special cave. It's like the hunter caves. Do you remember the hunter cave? Yeah. Okay. So he has a special one that nobody else knows about. Yeah. It's his, like, own personal cave because he's, like, the outcast. Oh, okay. He likes to go out and hunt by himself because he doesn't have to be around everyone else. Such a little loner. Mm -hmm. He lays Liz down in the furs and she's shivering but seems to be warming up. The cooey is working. He starts a fire trying to ignore the cooey thrumming in his chest. My bed. My mate is in my bed. I groan, hit by a wave of need so strong it makes me dizzy, and I close my eyes, willing myself to be strong. She will be awake soon enough, and then we can mate. Jump in the gun a little. I know. You don't even know if she wants to mate with you. Mm-hmm. It's too bad, though. He's His cooey's resonating. He has to. He says, I have to put my dick in you. I must. He starts to take off her outer coverings and is examining her body. He finds her broken toes and decides to set them while she's asleep so the cooey can heal them. Because, like, I feel like getting your broken bones set would hurt a lot. At my work, like, we obviously have to set bones. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's insane. They, like, grab your arm and, like, (laughs) they literally have to grab you and, like, (laughs) are you in the room for that? I've been in a room for a couple. Did you want to curl 
it's like honestly what's horrible is like the pain that you can see like the, that the patients are in because they're like we've had like old old women that they've had to do it to and they'll like scream and it's so awful i've seen it done on like a little kid too oh it's awful i we've even had a patient that like had to have their hip put back in isn't that crazy i hate that i hate that i know he sets her toes and binds her foot and runs out of the cave to vomit because he doesn't want to hurt his baby. Mm-hmm. He's like, Bleh. like he feels bad that he had to even do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. He, I think, guy that he has set bones before for other hunters, and it didn't affect him that way. Yeah, but he loves her. Mm-hmm. He decides to melt some snow so he can bathe her while she sleeps because she's been sitting in her own pee and poop for yeah. like a week. He's like, oh God, she smells like shit. Yeah. But I love her. <laughs> when she's fully naked, he has to resist the urge to mate her while she sleeps, which, like, good on ya. Yeah. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> Calm down. She doesn't like you. He crushes up soap berries and starts to wash her. So they have those berries that you mush them and they turn into soap. He's super hard, but he tells himself to ignore it because she's weak and tired and she hates him. <laughs> as he's washing her, he examines her more closely. The only places she grows a mane is on her head and between her legs. I remember Vectal telling us of the humans and their strange anatomy. He claimed his sh- shorshi. I forgot that's what he calls her. He claimed his shorshi has a third nipple between her legs. Does this one have the same? Curious, I slide my hand over her sex and push her lips apart with my fingers. Okay. (laughs) Surely enough, a small nub is exposed and is poised at the top of her slit and gleams with arousal. Even as I touch her, the scent of her sex perfumes the air. I need her. He's like, yep, third nipple. Love it. (laughs) <laughs> there it is, her little nub. He says, she will be my first everything, my first mate, my first lover, the mother of my children. My hand trembles a little as I release her sex, resisting the urge to stroke the soft fold that gleam with arousal. The cooey is already working on her if she responds to my touch, even unconscious. I hope she will awake soon. Also, when he says his first everything, he's a little virgin. <gasps> Because he, he doesn't like anybody. He yeah. doesn't talk to anybody. I thought they, like, fucked the women. No, nope, he said nobody in the village. He's never had anybody. Oh, they, right. they, like, sleep around. So there's people in the tribe that, like, have slept with the four women that they have. Yeah. But not him. Not Because he's just not vibing with anybody. Damn. He finishes bathing her, and he washes her hair and brushes it out. He's, like, admiring that her hair turned from, like, mud color to, like, this pretty blonde. Like brushes it and it's shiny and nice. He's actually like kind of sweet. He dresses her in some of the women's clothing that they took from the main cave. So when they found out about the other six women, he realized that there wasn't going to be enough for everyone. So he took like extra stuff so he could give it to Liz. Oh, yeah. He decides to hunt for her while she sleeps so she has something to eat when he when she wakes up. And then we switch to Liz's POV. She wakes up and she feels like she's hungover. She notices that she's no longer tired and her body feels less sore than before because the cooey. The cooey's doing its thing. Mm-hmm. Her hair is clean and smells nice and she's laying in a bed of plush furs. She's filled with rage as she realizes she's been undressed and washed. She's like, that's violating. That is violating. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Just then, Rahash walks in with a fresh kill. She's reminded of the cooey and starts freaking out trying to rip herself open to get it out. Rahash grabs her hands to get her to stop, and her cooey starts resonating. So She's they're like, fought. Oh, damn. 
She's fighting against him and he shakes his head to tell her to stop and lets her go. She punches him in the face and tells him she hates him for forcing the cooey on her and bathing her while she slept. I would be mad too. Yeah. But he's like, you're so ungrateful. I love it. Hey, and Karen. <laughs> so at this point, he hog ties her. Because she is like, fight. He just sighs and forces her hands behind her back before throwing her face down into the furs. She realizes that nobody else is around and he must have taken her away. He starts to butcher his kill and cooking the meat because Vectal told him that Georgie likes cooked meat, which they think is like disgusting. Yeah, they're like, what is wrong with you? Her cooey's still going and she's upset that she wound up with this guy and not some smiley happy guy. She tries to calm herself down and tell herself that everything's fine and it could be so much worse. She's trying to think of a way to communicate with him because she doesn't know that he speaks English. Yeah. And she calls his name in a fake sweet voice. Like, we're hot. Hey, over here. Please, untie me. She centers herself to get her cooey under control, and she asks him again, but he just stuffs a piece of the meat into her mouth. <laughs> like, he's like, shut the fuck up, eat this. He's like, <laughs> after she eats, she falls asleep, still tied up. She wakes up when it's dark out, and Rahash is gone, and she's been untied. She thinks about escaping, but knows she wouldn't survive alone. And she is. So horny. Oh, of course she is. She starts to grope her breasts and is thinking about how badly she needs sex. (laughs) She's thinking about Rahash and her hand goes down her skirt. I truly don't understand how you could be horny in this moment. It's the cooies making horny. Um, It's what makes you all like, because it's like, okay, time to mate. Like, you need to fuck her (laughs) My pussy is soaked. My curls wet and slick with need. What are her curls? Her boobs. <laughs> oh my god! The lips of my sex feel swollen and achy, and when I graze my fingers over my clit, it's so sensitized that I nearly come right then and there. I moan aloud and begin to finger myself. Maybe a quick masturbation session while Rahash is gone is just what I need to keep the cootie under control. Even as I tell myself that, the mental image of Rahash fills my mind and I imagine his muscular, tapered shoulders bared as he leans in over me. I imagine his firm, unsmiling mouth pulling back in a hiss of pleasure as he sinks into me and we start to fuck. Great, now I'm masturbating to an alien. I'm going to blame the cootie for this, too. I don't like the guy. I don't. I can't deny that the thought of us fucking gets me wet as hell, though. I slip a finger into myself and whimper because it's not enough. I need more. I need him. But for now, fingering will do. I position my thumb over my clit and begin to rub and arch off the furs. Rahash! I moan. (laughs) Sliding my thumb over my clit. And wouldn't you know it, the bastard appears in the doorway of the cave as if I called his name. I mean, you did. What are you dead? You said rush. <laughs> oh my god. I love that they call it like Archie calls it the cootie. I know because I'm like, that's it. Can, it could be like she's talking about her vagina. Cootie? Yeah. My little like, cootie? This is my cootie. <laughs> I don't like cooter. Yeah. <laughs> that's like what I'm thinking of. I hate that. Cooter. Cooter. <laughs> now we're at Rahash's POV. He left the cave to investigate some noises he heard in the distance. As he returns to the cave, he finds Liz touching her third nipple and moaning his name. <laughs> Liz pulls her skirt down quickly, but Rahash can smell her arousal in the air. I'll smell your spunk. <laughs> <laughs> He's hard and her cooey is thrumming loudly. 
He steps toward her and she says, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. And tells him that he doesn't get to touch her. He stops and continues to watch her. She starts touching herself in front of him while saying that she can't stop. (laughs) My hands, they're just... That cootie made me do it. I hate men. (laughs) She says that she's not doing it because she wants to, but because she has to. And she's glittering at him the entire time. Rahash is getting angry at her for the suffering this is causing him. All he wants to do is fuck her. She's like aggressively masturbating and like glaring at him. Like, I still fucking hate you. Don't judge me. She's like, I am so horny. <laughs> if she insists on taking her own pleasure before my eyes and holding me at length, then I shall do the same thing. I undo the fastenings of my leggings and free my aching cock. It juts out from my leathers, proud and long. she gasps at the sight momentarily pausing in her frantic rubbing oh my fucking god look that long deck in this i know i am blessed my cock is the largest in my tribe do they all sit there and they're like let's measure cocks i've seen the other males bathing and they do not come near my girth or lane I take my cock in hand, pleased that she likes the size, and I give it a stroke. I made it myself. (laughs) Dragging my hand up and down, slowly letting her watch. That is the biggest dick I've ever seen, she breathes. No freaking way. I only catch about half of what she says, but she licks her lips, and her fingers slide over her cunt once more. My own breath hitches at the sight. She is going to touch herself at the sight of me touching myself? A groan escapes me and my hand strokes over my cock again. I dare her to look, to watch every movement of my hand as I grip my length and f- flick my wrist. As, I'm <laughs> as I move over the crown, then back down to the thickness again. Watch me, I silently command her. Watch me touch myself at the sight of you. And all the while, my cooey thrums and resonates in my chest so loud that my blood thunders in my ears. I hear her cooey responding to mine, increasing in volume, and she moans, Oh God, I feel it buzzing all through me. Her hand quickens, and she rubs the little nipple between her legs with speedy motions. Her gaze fixes on my cock again, and she licks her lips. I groan at the sight of that. Is she anticipating what I would taste like in her mouth? The Why thought, would you assume that? I don't... Right? No, she's probably not. Probably not. The thought is a titillating one. I imagine feeding her my cock. <laughs> the head of it brushing over those soft, plump human lips, and her saying my name as she takes it into her mouth. The very image is obscene. I close my eyes because it takes everything I have to retain control, to not spurt seed all over the floor of the cave <laughs> instantly at the thought. I want to see her come first. She's still speaking, even though she thinks I can't understand her. This human is a talker. I open my eyes to watch her and see that she still got her gaze on my cock. Can't believe you have ridges on your goddamn dick, he says, <laughs> her hand working her cunt furiously. Her other reaches up under her tunic and cups her breasts, and she hisses with satisfaction. (laughs) I like this. (laughs) And I don't know what that horn thing is above it, but it's making me fucking crazy. Her fingers slide into her cunt with a wet sound. (laughs) And then she moans louder. Fuck, I'm coming. Okay, if I saw that little horn, I would not be like, ooh, I love that little horn. Interesting. (laughs) 
So Rahash ma- maintains eye contact as he comes and he says, Liz. So she <laughs> knows that it's all for her. So like how everyone says, sure, she, they say, Liz. <laughs> yeah, they don't understand that it's just Liz. They're like, Liz, Liz, Liz might come for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back at Liz's POV. She's angry. She was trying to masturbate as a show of defiance. And I just have a question mark in parentheses. Yeah, I don't. How is that defiance? I don't know. He's like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, do that again. <laughs> but he just got off on it, so she's pissed. Um, and she's also angry that she found it so hot, but she decides to blame it on the cooey. Yeah, she blames everything on the cooey right now. She's just like, I think he's kind of hot. Must be the cooey. She's yeah. like, I don't actually think hot. I hate you. They're just staring at each other, and his cum is all over the floor. She tells him that she's not cleaning that up. <laughs> Which, like, same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why would you? He walks up to her, grabs her hand, sniffs it, and licks it. He, they say th- that he licks it from, like, the heel all the way to her fingertips. Ew. He's just yum, yum. He's delicious. His dick is hard and right next to her face as he's licking her hand clean. She gets a good look at his dick and spur and tells herself that she's definitely not into it. Nope. No. Yeah, but you are, girl. You are. <laughs> oh, it's the chewy. She's like, but I'm gonna fuck it. Look at her. She grabs the furs and rolls over and forces herself to sleep. She wakes up the next morning to him spooning her. She tells him to get off. She has to pee. She looks around the cave to see it cleaned, swept, and the fire burning low. So Rahash has been up, like, all night cleaning. Taking care of it. Mm-hmm. Ah, what a man. She puts on Rahash's boots and goes outside to find some more to tinkle. She looks around after she goes and she turns to see Rahash at the caves, like, just watching her. She tells him that she's not trying to escape and to relax. He motions to her to come back into the cave, and she does. Liz notices that she's not freezing cold anymore and realizes that the cooey must be working. She tells him to make her some shoes so she doesn't have to steal his. Fair. Uh-huh. She says, if you plan on keeping me captive, I'm going to be the most demanding bitch-ass captive you've ever dealt with. So it's <laughs> already barbarian dickhead. You tell him. silently understanding everything, like, this fucking bitch. <laughs> He's like, do you as he starts tending to the fire she starts to watch and admire him and the way he moves so gracefully and how his pant legs hug his lower half she tells him she's hungry and wants food so he goes to a corner of the cave and grabs a water skin and pretends he's gonna drink it all without offering it to her she calls him a dick and he gives her a smirk her cooey goes insane and there's a pulsing between her legs and he's like kind of flirting with her He hands her the water skin and she drinks it. She notices she's kind of smiling over this playful interaction. She's kind of having a good time. Oh, girl. He packs the water skin with snow and puts it and puts on his boots. Liz asks if they're going to go hunting and tells him that she's a good hunter and skilled with a bow and she'd like to make one if he gets her some wood. Rahash grabs his spear and walks out without her and she's angry and tries to go after him, but she doesn't have any shoes. So she's forced to stay in the cave and wait for him because like, the ground is just covered in yeah. snow. Yeah. So even though she's like warm and like acclimating, like it's still too cold to like just walk out there. Right. Even if they have to wear shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we're back to Rahash's POV. He's thinking about how much Liz talks, even though he's not talking back and wonders if she expected him to take her on the hunt. The women don't hunt in this tribe because they're so few and precious. He tells himself that maybe when they meet, he can take her on hunting trips and then get sad at the fact that Liz still hates him. He finds an animal and kills it for them to eat and uses some of it as bait for a snare trap. He gets back to the cave to find Liz wet and without her skirt on. She pulls the furs over herself and he's aching to claim her. 
he sees that Liz is working on turning her skirt into leggings. So she wasn't being weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. She wasn't just like masturbating every time he leaves. She's like actually making herself pants. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. He's concerned about her potentially trying to make shoes because he's purposefully trying to keep her without them. He hears her stomach growl and he starts to cook her some meat as she watches. She's babbling about how the animal looks like a cat had a baby with a platypus and how she's noticing her sense of smell is changing. He tries to feed her again and she insists on doing it herself. She chews the meat and says it doesn't taste like anything. She sees him pop a raw piece of meat into his mouth and decides to try it and says it's so much better raw. She touches his knee to manipulate him and asks if she can have his instead. He feeds her his food until she's too full for anything more. And he begins to admire her. Mm. She's like, all this work that you did for me, I don't like this. I want yours. I want your raw meat. And he's like, I have to eat this cooked meat that I He's like, disgusting. He's like, bitch, make up your mind. When I first saw the humans, I thought they were ugly. Their face is strange and their skin too soft. They have no hard ridges along their arms and chest like we do to protect muscles and organs. They have no horns or tail. They are utterly defenseless. Even her small face is different than my own people's with its flat forehead and pale hair, unlike any color I have ever seen. But it is burned into my dreams. Now when I imagine happiness, I imagine her face. It doesn't matter that she is different. She is mine and I am hers. Oh, Aw, that's your mate. He reaches out to touch her and she says, nope. (laughs) Liz decides to try and teach Rahash English, so she puts her hand on his chest and says, Rahash. He does the same and says, Liz, but he's touching her boob. She slaps it away, but he strokes one of her nipples and she gets pissed and slaps him in the face and storms away. He can smell her arousal and thinks that nope means horny. (laughs) This poor guy. She's giving him so many mixed signals. He's like, no mean yes. (laughs) You like this. I can smell it. (laughs) We're back to Liz's POB. She's horny and angry. If he would have touched her just a little bit more, she would have jumped his bones. She's tempted to start touching herself for relief, but knows that it won't help. She wonders what it would be like to rub herself on his horns. Which is weird. (laughs) On his head. She's like, <laughs> she needs an escape plan. She decides to secretly make shoes and a bow because she's she's going to get out. Okay, what what are you going to do on this planet, girl? Oh, so we're back to Rahash's POV. Liz is quiet. Too quiet. Yeah, because normally she doesn't shut the fuck up. What is that bitch doing? And he's suspicious. They're sleeping one night and he feels her wake up next to him and he pretends to sleep. He watches as she puts his boots on and leaves with his spear. And he follows her barefoot as she heads towards some trees. He's like, what are you up to? (laughs) We're back to Liz's POV. She's looking for materials for a bow. She uses the spear to cut into like this tree thing. Uh the Like Dr. Seuss trees we talked about last time. But it's just goopy mush. So it's not bark. It's just goop. Yeah, like once he like, stabs through it, it's literally just mush. It's weird. She keeps searching when she sees a dark line in the snow in the distance. It's a stream with some bamboo-like things sticking out. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that from the last book? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she slides to the edge of the water and goes to grab the bamboo out when she hears Rahash yelling her name. She starts to yell back at him when she notices something is very wrong. <gasps> what? I gasp, my angry words dying in my throat. There's a horrible face with bulging eyes and big, jagged teeth on the other end of my stick. 
It looks like one of those monstrous creatures from the dark, deep parts of the ocean, except it's about a foot away from my face. So Georgie ran into those last time. They're like bamboo that sticks out of the water, but connected to that, it's like these crazy, like anglerfish looking yes. things with like big teeth. Oh, okay. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bechtel had to save Georgie from one. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. He crushed the berries and threw them and they all went away. That's right. It begins to attack her and Rahash runs up to them and kills it with his knife. He's super pissed off and starts to stalk towards her and Liz finds it sexy i want nothing more than to reach between my legs and stroke my clit again maybe it's adrenaline maybe it's the way he's gazing down at me as if he can't decide if he wants to rip my clothing off or turn me over and spank me bad girl (laughs) both mental images make me a little crazy her legs fall open as he reaches her he reaches down to try and help her up but she slaps him away he grabs the front of her shirt to haul her up and she grabs his face and goes in for a kiss Uh, yeah she bites his lower lip and Rahash moans and smashes his mouth into hers, trying to kiss her back, even though he doesn't know how. They begin to make out as Liz shows him how to properly kiss. And she says she doesn't want this as she wraps her legs around him. She says she definitely doesn't want him to touch her boobs. And he does. She says she definitely doesn't want him to lick her pussy and starts to pull her pants down. Rahash tries to pull them all the way off, but can't. So he pulls her legs to her chest bearing her so like he's just like cranks her legs up to her chest with her pants still on she's trapped as he studies her i watch his nostrils flare and he runs his finger up and down my folds again (laughs) i cry out and buck against him and when he pulls his big hand back it's gleaming with my juice in (laughs) he studies his wet thumb and fingers and then brings them to his mouth for a taste Oh, God damn. That was dirty. You are so dirty, I tell him. <laughs> Hotter and more turned on than ever. He licks his fingers with an almost reverent expression on his face as if the taste of me is better than the finest chocolate. And that just makes me quiver with lust, seeing his delicious big bumpy tongue scraping over those fingers, <laughs> licking them clean. It's driving me crazy. Just watching him lick his hand. It should be me that he's licking. And because I don't want it so bad, I reach between my legs and spread my pussy lips for him to see. <laughs> Look at this. You want to see that? <laughs> I watch as his eyes flare with need and then his head pushes between my legs. I feel his big hands bracing my thighs, separating them. And I feel the jagged homemade seams on my pants give under the stress of my spreading legs. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> Rahash pushes my thighs apart and gazes down at my spread. Slick pussy. Oh, oh God. God. I spread. I know. And to turn the page. <laughs> I feel scorching hot, aching, and swollen. I'm about to touch myself when he bats my hand aside and then drags his tongue over my flesh. Why do they need to say flush? <laughs> my flush. My flush. A scream bursts from my lips. Oh my god. I grab his horn and the stem of the other one and push his face against my heated skin. I'm wild with urgency and when his tongue, God bless that bumpy, bumpy tongue, (laughs) swipes over my skin, I scream again. I drag my hips up and down even as he grunts and licks at me with his mouth. His own desire, as intense as my own. His tongue is moving everywhere licking and pushing against my softest parts, and I feel it slicking over my clit with every lapping taste. Then he nuzzles my clit. (laughs) He nuzzles it. 
<laughs> and then it comes so hard, I'm seeing stars. Nuzzles it. I'm picturing him being like, <laughs> just shaking his head at it. <laughs> Cutest third nipple ever. Nuzzles. Your little nub. He says, mine. <laughs> As he begins to start for round two, and Liz realized that he just spoke English. She says, what did you just say? We're back to Raj's POV, and Liz is pissed. She says, you spoke fucking English. I did, I say, and force her knees apart again. I want more of her thick, sweet honey. <laughs> I want to lose myself between her legs for hours. The men of my tribe say that there is no taste like that of a resonance mate on the tongue. And they are right. I never knew what they referred to until now. Now, I want to taste nothing but her for the rest of my days. Her cunt can be my sustenance. All else is unworthy of notice. He said that pussy mod. <laughs> Tastes nice. She yells at him for lying to her, but he's like, I didn't even lie. He says that she never asked and tells her that she shouldn't have run. He says, you belong to me, female. <laughs> you might now. <laughs> she says she doesn't belong to anyone and that she was just looking for materials for a bow. He says that he doesn't know what a bow is, so she tells him. And he says that he'll help her build one, but now they must go back to the cave. He carries the fish thing and she walks in front of him with no pants because he like ripped her pants. Yeah. <laughs> She's just Winnie the Pooh in it. <laughs> in his boots. He watches her booty the entire time. <laughs> Back at the cave, Liz tells him that he's holding her hostage for her vagina just like the first aliens that took them. She just wants to be in control of her own life again and that makes Rahash feel guilty. Back to Liz's POV. She's ignoring Rahash and focusing on fixing her pants. Rahash is awkwardly doing random tasks around the cave and leaves for a bit. She just wishes he'd give her a chance to figure out things for herself before expecting her to just meet with him. As she thinks back on their sexy little moment, her cooey starts to vibrate and she's getting hella soaked. Hella soaked. Hella soaked. <laughs> Maybe Rahash is having a hard time with this too and he seems to be a giver. Maybe she just wants to apologize, but not yet. Maybe they can just start as friends for now. She gets the cave extra tidy and does some extra chores as a peace offering. He comes back with two fresh kills for dinner. She asks him for a truce and says she's just tired of all the tension. He grunts and kneels by the fire, stoking it. You are not a chatty sort, even on the best of days, are you? He glances over at me. And you would talk to the walls if they would listen. <laughs> My smile grows tight. You're making this whole truce thing hard, dude. Fair warning. I expect another grunt from him. Instead, he nods. That was not kind of me. I apologize. They're getting somewhere. Yeah. They are. Some development here. She offers to help him with dinner, but he says it's his job to provide for his mate. He agrees to save some of the leather for shoes for her. She assures him that she's not going to try and escape because she's like, even if I did escape, I have no idea where I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. She asks him about the planet and he tells her that this is the warm season. So she's like, I thought this was the cold season she was he was like yeah this is the cold season but the cold season is called the brutal season yeah so he gets fucking worse from here on this planet oh god he tells her that winter is a season of like real winter is a season of minimal light and scarce hunting opportunities he offers her a bite of meat and she takes it and moans at the flavor he gets hard eat that meat she then starts to eat it directly from his hands and starts to lick his fingers as she takes the bite but let's just be friends. Yes. Just fr just that. Because I don't like you like that. I'm licking your fingers as friends. Okay. I do that to all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally turned on right now, damn it. Raw meat and an asshole captor should not make my girl parts juice, but I can't seem to help myself. 
They sh- it shouldn't make your girl parts juice. Man, I'm so juiced right now. I'm going to say that next time. Man, I am juiced. Zach's going to be like, done. I'm out. Get out. I can move out of the house. She asks about his family and he says he has nobody and Bechtel is his only friend. He tells her that there are four women and 24 men, 20 unmated. There was a bad accident a while back. Life here is difficult. We lost many of our tribes several years ago on a bad hunt. Four of our men were killed and one female before we could bring down the Tali. He shakes his head. It was a bad time. What's the Tali? Unimportant. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't, really, I don't think it describes It's that. probably just like a crazy, like the Sakats. Okay. Yeah. But no, like, benefits from it. Yeah. Got you. He tells her that he spends more time hunting out in the wild than back at the caves. Hunting is a solitary activity, and he prefers to be alone because he doesn't like seeing people have what he doesn't. She tells him that she wants to hunt too, and he agrees, but only if she lays with him tonight. No sex, just holding. Rahash makes her some shoes, and she works on her bow and arrows until he tells her it's time for sleep. He tells her to undress and come to bed, and she does. She touches his chest and notices he's soft like suede. He takes off his pants. Because he's like, mates lay naked, no jammies. Then his ass flexes again and his tail lashes, and I just stare. Why is a tail sexy to me? Why does the sight of it flicking over that taut ass do terrible nasty things to my girl farts? He glances over his shoulder at me, and the look is so heated I get all aroused and squirmy. I'm not sure if us being naked together is a good idea, but I also don't think I could stop even if I wanted to. And I kind of don't want to. Oh, girl. Just friends hate the guy. Don't want to sleep with him. I just want to snuggle. He asks her if she doesn't want to mate with him because he's ugly. And she says he's not ugly. She says she kind of likes the way he looks. So she was just talking shit about the way he looks? Yeah. (laughs) She just wants to have the choice. He tells her this is no choice when the Kui decides. She says that back on Earth, the women have a choice after the men court them. And he says he's been courting her this entire time. And she snaps at him that kidnapping her doesn't mean courting her. She lays down and gives him the cold shoulder. And he asks if she doesn't want to go hunting tomorrow. She gets pissed off and tells him not to touch her. He starts to touch her breast and squeeze her nipple. He's confused because... When he went down on her, the entire time she was telling him she didn't want it while shoving his head down. See, yeah. So he's very confused. She's about to explain to him when he bites her shoulder and starts to lick her neck. She's soaked. Hella soaked. Hella soaked. <laughs> Juiced up. You see, he murmurs, his tongue brushing against my ear. Oh, it's ridged. I keep forgetting it's ridged too, and the rasp of it against my flesh makes me wild. I am learning how to court you, my Liz. His fingers glide through my folds. <laughs> and then dip, seeking my slick heat. One caresses the opening to my core, and I arch against him, wishing for more than just a finger. I feel the hard, impossible length of his cock against my back, and I want to be filled with it. Ooh. See, I knew it. He was going to do that little penis from the behind track. Mm-hmm. Yep. Classic. Classic. That's when we get the, your nectar fills your cunt for me. He murmurs into my ear and then tenderly licks the shell. Shall I sip it and taste of my mate? (laughs) (laughs) And then you get the second one. Do you want my fingers? He buries his face against my neck and I feel the rasp of the hard ridges on his brow against my chin as he nuzzles my throat. 
My breasts ache for his touch, and I begin to play with my nipples, rocking my hips against his finger. That feels just barely inside me. Or do you want me to lick the nipple between your legs until you scream my name? A horrified giggle escapes my throat. Did you just say nipple between my legs? She explains to him that nipples are on breasts, and they start touching each other's nipples. They start to kiss, and she throws her arms around his neck. His cock prods my abdomen, and I feel the hot beads of pre-cum drag against my skin, leaving wet trails. He continues to kiss me, his tongue dancing against mine, and his hand moves down my side and rests on my hip. If it is not a nipple, then what is it? I chuckle against his mouth, amused by his alien lack of understanding about female anatomy. Really, I suppose it does make sense to think that it's a nipple. It's called a clitoris, or a clit for short. <laughs> clit for short. <laughs> Clitty. My friends call me clit. <laughs> his hand slides to my pubic hair, and he drags his fingers through it before finding my clit again. He brushes the tips of his fingers over it in a careful exploration that makes me grip him against me hard. And what purpose does it serve? It um just feels good. <laughs> no purpose. <laughs> just a little nubbin. I don't know if the clit has any sort of an anatomical purpose. It's not like a kidney or anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it really isn't. He's like, what's a kidney? <laughs> you have that? <laughs> My breath explodes when he circles it with, with his finger again. Oh, God. Really, really good. Mm. So you like it when I touch it? <laughs> I cry out. I cry out and my fingernails dig into his skin when he continues the aggravating circles around the small patch of sensitive skin. I lift one leg and wrap it around his hips and my pelvis bucks against his touch. God, yes, please. Will you say my name, Liz? Why do I keep saying him like he's not? <laughs> Will you say my name? <laughs> he presses light kisses to my mouth. Even as he continues to touch my clit in maddeningly slow, grazing motions, I lick my lips, whimpering with his touches. Why? Because I want to hear my mate say my name when she comes for me. He murmurs and nips my chin. Another whimper escapes my throat. How? God, it's getting hard to think. I just want to grab his hand, shove his big finger inside me, and ride until I'm coming like a mad woman. <laughs> How do you know I'm about to come? Are you not? His teeth graze my chin, and then he begins to lick down my neck. Shall I drink your sweet nectar from the source until you do? <laughs> sweet nectar. Can I get a straw? <laughs> to get up there? <laughs> I don't know why, but you know, it reminded me of that felching thing. You never heard of felching? What the fuck is felching? Hold on. Okay, so it has something to do with a straw, but I can't remember exactly what it is. I'm going to go. Quick Google search. Okay, I looked it up. Felching. Sucking or eating semen out of someone's anus. Oh, interesting. A um, straw specifically? Mm -hmm. You just slurping it up? Yeah. It was like one of those terms in like high school that everyone's like, filter. Ew. Um, you ever heard that? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, okay. Uh, Where are you nesting? Up in your booty? Yeah. With a straw. Oh, no. Ooh, do you have any felchy recommendations? Tell us if you have any books with felchy in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she demands to have his finger inside her and he tells her to say his name again and he will she does and he sinks his finger deep into her he tells her to say it again and she starts screaming his name over and over again <laughs> 
he starts to touch her clit too and says that he can feel her clenching around his fingers. She's starting to feel overstimulated and he asks to taste her. But she says it's her turn to play with him. She starts to touch his penis, but he stops her immediately. She asks if it's been a while since he's had sex, and then she realizes that he's a virgin and feels bad for him. She decides to make him feel good. She tells him to lay back. She asks if she can explore him, and he nods. She tells him she's going to make him come, and then she's going to take her time with him after. She's like, don't worry about being quick. We'll do it again. <laughs> she grips his foreskin and pumps it over his dick, and he immediately comes. <laughs> he's like a little sleeve. <laughs> She tells him it's okay and licks him clean. She's never liked the taste of semen. It's too bleachy. Bleachy. <laughs> How do you know that, ma'am? She drinks bleach. <laughs> Clearly. But she thinks his is kind of nice. She begins to explore his body in all the ways that they're different. Yeah, you're very different. He's an alien. You're a human. <laughs> there are the ridged plates on the side of his big thighs, a line of ridges that go all the way down his chest to where a happy trail would be if he had hair on his groin, and the ridges on his arms and shoulders. I suspect if I ran my hand down the small of his back, his spine would be ridged too. Of course, I have more interesting things to look at, like his junk. My hand <laughs> slides back down to his cock. It's impossible to resist it because the darn thing is just gorgeous. Long, thick, with a heavy, deep blue crown. He feels more velvety here than anywhere else. His balls are an impressive size. His sack tight against his groin. Blue balls, I giggle. Never has the phrase been more true. <laughs> blue balls. <laughs> She begins to nibble and lick and squeeze his dick. She asks about his spur and asks if it feels good when she touches it. He says everything she does feels good, but he doesn't react like when she's touching his penis. She experiments with giving him a hand job while sucking his spur and he comes again. He gets up and gets a fur and a water skin and washes her of his cum. I'm sorry, you were sucking on his spur. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it does feel good. He's like, actually, yes. It's He's nice. like, this is my clit. <laughs> <laughs> they lay down and fall asleep together. We're back to Rahash's POB. He wakes up with morning wood, but he lets Liz sleep and goes outside to relieve himself. Wow. Ooh. What a gentleman. <laughs> He's like, I will take care of this one. He gets dressed and tends the fire. He tries to wake Liz up, but she just wants to sleep. He says if she doesn't wake up, he'll put snow in her face. And she's like, ugh, fine. I think he's just, like, kidding around, though. Oh, he's like, I will smash snow in your face. <laughs> Wake up, bitch. <laughs> They're out hunting, and Liz is happy to be out of the cave and experiments with her bow and arrow. Rahash is impressed watching her. They bond a little bit, being out with each other, and they're enjoying themselves. He says they're going to hunt down by the water, and she asks if they can bathe. He says that they can later tonight. Maybe she'll let him wash her back. What a generous offer. Hiding <laughs> Oh, God. Liz POB. She's kind of having fun. They find tracks in the snow and find a shaggy pony dog looking thing drinking from the stream. Rahash calls it a divisti. A divisti? Mm -hmm. The animal? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rahash tells her to wait while he goes down closer to it. So they're like up on a cliff and the divisti is like down on the stream and he's like, I'm going to go down closer. You wait up here. Okay. She hears a noise behind her and it's a baby metlac. Do you remember the metlac monkey things? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a baby one. And then a little wookie, whatever that is. <laughs> when the mother appears. Oh, no. And she knows that that's bad. So she slowly calls for Rahash. He comes off to her side, but they're surrounded by them. He tells her that they need to run. One lunges at her and she raises her bow. And then we switch to Rahash's POV. He tells her to run and she tells him she's not leaving him. So he's trying to like sacrifice himself for her. Oh, yeah. He throws his spear at the one lunging for Liz and rushes to her side. Liz successfully shoots one in the eye and another in the head. 
She only has four arrows total, so now she has two. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Rahash feels pride watching her because she's like, she's killing it. She's Literally. A boss babe. Rahash goes Rambo as they all charge at once and takes a bunch of them down. Liz kills another and tells him she only has one arrow left. The Metlacks are tearing into Rahash and Liz is crying his name. They're just like on him, like oh, ripping yeah. him. Seeing three surround her, he powers through and grabs the three of them, taking himself and the Metlacks down the cliff. Liz is screaming his name as he hits the ground and everything goes dark. Yeah. So he fell off a cliff. Yeah. Taking three with, that way she's not with a bunch of extra ones. Like hopefully she can take what's left by herself. Damn. And get away. Yeah. So Rahash falls down the cliff, taking the three Metlacks with him. Liz POV, she's screaming in horror as he goes over the cliff and she's like peaks real quick and it's like over 30 feet down. So it's a pretty big fucking drop. She notices when she's looking real quick, there's blood everywhere. One of his legs is a bit weird and no one's moving. Um, so she turns back around and she notices there's only three left, including the baby. She gets an idea. She grabs the baby as a hostage. <laughs> She's like, I hope they're smart enough to understand hostage. Yeah. I'll, she grabs the baby and like is holding like her arrowhead to it. She's like, I'll do it. You about to run away. <laughs> she is pacing the cliff's edge to see if there's a way down to get to Rahash with her little hostage. And she finds one. But before she goes down, she's like, calling his name to see if he answers her mm-hmm. he doesn't but she starts to slide down the little path she finds and it gives out and both her and the hostage baby met go down oh my god she loses her grip on the baby so once they fall down the rest of the way of the path it just like gets up and like goes away it just leaves it says bye peace Thanks See you on the adventure. This was fun. Um, uh, yeah. And she rushes to Rahash and again, she notices with the blood everywhere, she at least can feel a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So at least there's that. But yeah. she waits a couple minutes to see if the other Metlacks come down the cliff since that's where the baby went. So she's like, maybe they'll come down after the baby. Right. But no, nothing comes down. You're on your own, bitch. Yep. Is it? Bye, baby. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> the fallen Metlacks also are not dead. So they're just not moving. But she notices like they're like groaning and like twitching. Uh. She's like, as a naturally great hunter, you can't leave a dying animal to stuff stuff. Yeah. So she literally just murders them. (gasps) Good for her. Mercy killing. Yep. She tries to drag Rahash out, but she barely moves him and he's like groaning in pain. So one of his arms that she didn't notice, his whole ass bone is sticking out. So she had like accidentally tried to pull him by the arms and pulled his one injured arm. Ouch. But she is smart. She sees a weird Dr. Seuss trees in the distance and decides to go break them down and make a gurney so she can, like, pull the gurney out. Okay. <laughs> She's, like, innovative. Let me just whip up a gurney. <laughs> well, it does take her a couple hours, and finally she gets him on there, and she can follow their footprints home. He starts groaning, though, so she stops to check on him, and he tells her to leave him there and get back to safety. She says, no, and if you come out of this alive, she will fuck him. She's like, you better live. I'll actually mate you if you survive this. I will fuck ya. <laughs> Incentive. <laughs> so get better, okay? <laughs> yeah. We go to Rahash's POV. He's in and out of consciousness. Uh, at one point, he whispers her name and she is there telling him it's okay. And he needs to just like relax. He wakes up and he notices that she got the fire started. There's meat drying. His knife is sharpened. And she has reset all his bones. So she's like, damn, she did some work. Yeah. Uh, she takes care of him while he's in and out of consciousness. At one point, he wakes up and his head feels like more clear. Mm-hmm. So he's just like awake, 
is noticing these things and then keep, keeps going back and forth. He notices that his body is pretty painful, but it's not like overly painful. Mm-hmm. He sits up because he's thirsty and she rushes over to him. She tells him again that he she had to set his bones and he tells her that she did actually a really good job setting them. And she's like, yeah, I know. I, I meant you to do that. Uh, <laughs> she gives him hot broth and he is like, you're taking care of me. I'm kind of horny right now. I'm a girl. <laughs> but she's like, dude, you just had like 20 bones broken. Like, I'm not going to fuck you right this minute. Even though I said if you were alive, I would do it. And he's like, if I remember correctly, you promised. You said you, you were the only reason I'm alive right now. I wanted to get laid. The power of the pussy. <laughs> yeah. She still tells him no and that he needs to get better first. And that's when he finally notices how like disheveled she looks like very gross and disgusting. And she mentions that she hasn't done anything for herself in 10 days. He's been asleep <gasps> conscious for 10 days. She's barely slept. She's barely bathed. Her- she hasn't bathed herself at all. Like, she's only been taking care of him in the case. He's like, you actually look kind of ugly right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually disgusted by okay. you. And then I put, but it doesn't matter that she's disgusting because this cooey will not wait any longer. He must claim her. He must fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we go back to Liz's POV. She mentions that he's an awful patient because he literally won't rest. And he's like continuously grabbing at her to fuck her <laughs> and she's like no 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 but she's also hella soaked hella she's like soaked. trying to be a good doctor she's like i can't fuck you but also like holy shit i can't fuck the patient <laughs> yeah hit that she ends up bathing herself really quick outside while he's sleeping because she is fucking horny and she's like if we're gonna fuck here pretty soon like i at least want to be clean but while she's washing herself outside of the snow real quick she feels strong hands grip her uh, yeah strong hands did like, we get up yes yeah. <laughs> in more ways than me you shouldn't be up i tell him sounding as breathless as i feel he presses kisses on my damp hip and his hand slides up the inside of my thigh i can smell it on your hands when you'd return to the cave do you think i don't notice a hot blush steals over my cheeks i was um keeping things under control i have no control where you are concerned he murmurs nipping at my skin with those long inhuman fangs i have no idea why the sight of them gets me so hot but it does damn does it ever (laughs) you're not feeling well he stops her my greatest ache has nothing to do with bones he says and his fingers brush over the folds of my sex insistent a whimper escapes me bend over i would taste my bait I want. He's tired of waiting. He's like, don't you promised. He's like, you promised your vagina. Yeah. Promised. Do you eat now? (laughs) She knows she shouldn't be doing this, but she can't resist the cooey any longer. I feel Rahash spread my cheeks. (laughs) And then his mouth is on my sex, tonguing with a ravenous ferocity that makes my knees weak. I cry out and immediately stumble forward. Too close to the fire, only his strong arm around my thighs keeps me from tumbling in. Instead, he swings me around until I'm facing the blankets, and then he pushes me forward. His arm's still locked around my thighs. It forces me into the furs, my cheek moving to the floor, and my ass in the air. And still, he devours me with single-minded intensity. Ooh. <laughs> she comes and rahash loses his control like that's like his snap he's like nope so he snarls grabs her flips her onto the back puts her legs into the air 
grabs a dick and just thrusts into her. Oh, massive too. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. Yikes. It feels as if I've been hollowed out from the inside. He's so big. It feels downright amazing. I've had sex before, but I've never felt every inch of a man as he was inside me. Normally, it just feels vaguely full. This feels like intensity. I can feel every ridge of his cock, every rough bump, every vein. And I for damn sure feel the spur above his cock. The moment <laughs> he thrusts inside me, it slid between my pussy lips and brushed my clit, gliding like another finger. I'm overwhelmed with sensation. Oh my god. You can feel its veins. Those are something. Uh, um, He realizes what he's done in his moment of like losing control and he pauses to ask if he's hurt her. He's like, oh shit. Oh, you monk. My, my bad. My dick is just so huge. Are you okay? Yeah. I know that I'm bigger than everybody else. So just, you good? <laughs> um, She says it's fucking fine and to not fucking stop. She's like, keep going. Fuck me. Fuck me now. <laughs> they both come. As they do. Uh-huh. <laughs> we go back to Rahash's POV. After he comes, he mentions that he's utterly reborn. He notices that the resonance isn't going away. It only seems to be growing stronger. So, and he still hasn't removed his dick from her vagina. She is mine. All mine. Even now, <laughs> she is full of my seed. <laughs> I can feel her cunt gripping me tight. Hot spasm spasms working through her body my fingers move to the base of my cock still seated deep inside her and i run my fingers along the edges of her opening where she is gripping me tight deep inside her her folds are stretched taut she sucks in a breath what i feel like the feel of you when i'm inside of you i tell her and her face colors even brighter red under her warm flush you are stretched wide to accommodate me she casually mentions to him that normally there's foreplay involved before sex, and he's like, what's foreplay? He's like, no, no. No, we fuck. Yeah. My dick go in. <laughs> she explains foreplay and needing to be wet, but he interrupts because he's like, you already were. So why do I need to do that if you were literally hella soaked? Yeah, hella soaked. Um, I also understand that he's confused because like, that's kind of contradicting. Yeah, there's so many, like, mixed in me. Yeah. like, I literally don't know what you want. He's like, you said you were gonna fuck. <laughs> when you say don't, you like it. He is still hard and inside her. He wants to keep, keep banging, but also wants to make sure she gets whatever this foreplay she was talking about. So I'm she... ate foreplay this entire time. Yeah. Yeah, you're already doing it, Rahash. You, you're doing she great, lady. Like, <laughs> she can't, like, explain, like, that's what the... Everything was the day before he got attacked and mm-hmm. like that that is foreplay yeah that's all she needed to say yeah what we've been doing is foreplay yeah she mentions that kissing is also for foreplay so he's like well if that's what you want so he kisses her is kissing really considered foreplay um for some people i guess depends on how into it you are i guess uh, yeah that's true i will foreplay her now <laughs> I will foreplay her now then. She wants kisses. I can give her kisses. (laughs) It is the mating of the mouse that humans like so much and that Vectel spoke highly of. I enjoyed it before too. Liz's mouth is as soft and smooth as her cunt. So I brush my lips over hers and when her mouth parts for me, I slick my tongue against hers like stroking my cock 
deep inside her. My mouth takes hers over and over again until she is gasping and trembling underneath me. I lick her full pink bottom lip with my tongue and then gently bite down on it. Because it is soft and sweet and reminds me of her lovely cunt, a soft little cry escapes her and I feel her cunt tremble and clench around my cock even as her pupils dilate and she stiffens under me. Uh, He asks her if he did it correctly. She replies that she's pretty sure she came again while he was kissing her. So yes, he did it correctly. Good for her. Good for him. Good for both of them. He can feel her cooey going nuts in her chest and it's storming so hard that her boobs are jiggling. So that's a strong perk. (laughs) He asks her if he should put his mouth here and proceeds to take his dick out and put her nipple in his mouth. He likes it. She likes it. He puts his hand on her vagina as he nibbles her boobs and fingers her. She says his fingers aren't enough and she needs his dick again. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a big old dog. Her hips rise and so I fit my cock at her entrance once more, dragging the head of it through her witness. Oh God, yes. She moans as her hands fist into my hair again. Give it to me. I sink home and she shrieks with joy. My eyes nearly roll back in my head with pleasure. There is no sensation like the warm grip of my mate's cunt tight around my cock. And as I begin to push into her with rhythmic thrusts, one thought cycles through my mind over and over, resonating as my cooey does. Liz is mine. Liz is mine. My mate. My everything. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> my everything. His everything. We go to Liz's POV. She wakes up later in the early morning, drooling on his chest. She gets up to go outside to pee and makes a mental note that she understands why Georgie was okay with Bechtel being her mate. The dick too good. <laughs> too good. He wants her to come back to bed so they can fuck some more, but she says she wants to have an actual conversation. Like she now wants to build a relationship with him. <laughs> now? Yeah. Okay. And then she proceeds to get mad when he doesn't understand why she needs to talk. And she's like, never mind. I'm going to go check my traps that I laid. She's like, fuck you. I got to go hunt. I got to go kill someone. Yeah. He stops her and says that she can't go outside and go hunting because she might already be with his child. She reminds him that she's fine because she dragged his unconscious broken body back to the cave by herself. That's true. I can fucking do it. I'm strong. I'm strong as fuck. But then he says, all cutie, like, before you arrived here in this world, I had nothing to live for. I hunted. I existed. I did not look forward to anything. But now you are here and you might be carrying my child even now. His jaw flexes. I know you are more than capable. The problem is not with you. It is with me. This world is dangerous and I think of you alone out in the wild and it is more than I can bear. If I lose you, I have nothing. Oh, Wow, does she does she react in any way when he's like you're pregnant not really no she's no. just like i can fucking do it you're practically dead and i did all this by myself for yeah, 10 days that's true she's like not super worried about it no she says that she understands so maybe like they can go together uh, cute, 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 cute. he responds i have a better idea we eat this smoked meat you can come back to bed and let me fill your soft cut with my hard cock then we can hunt tomorrow together together She's like, deal, deal, dick too good. After they bang it out a few more times, eat the smoked meat. Jesus. She's pondering how their life is going to be at the main caves because she's happy that they're alone in their own cave. She's like, how the fuck is this going to work with other people? Like, I like being alone with him. Yeah. They get up to check the traps in the morning and they hear a voice in the distance. It sounds like they're speaking English. He tries to like push her back the way that they came and his name gets called in the distance and it's his other two other villagers. (gasps) They found them. They say, we know you out here. We know you took woman. Yeah. (laughs) You gave her a (laughs) cool. 
He continues trying to hurry her back the way they came and tells her that they'll take her away from him. And she's like, excuse me? What the fuck? She's scared. Yeah. They call her name and they wait instead of run. Rahash is tense as a Hako and Hayden approach. I'm going to say. I think it's a Hako. A Hako. Okay. And then just normal Hayden. Okay. <laughs> Hayden. Hayden. One looks friendly enough and not so much the other. They mention how Vectal sent them to look for the two when they didn't resonate. So they're the two of the many other tribe members that never resonated with one of the females. Okay. So now they're tasked with going to bring everybody back. Well, those two back. Mm-hmm. Heiko is the friendly one and he mentions that Rahash is being overly protective which is fine but Hayden isn't nice and mentions how Rahash is being just like his dad which is headstrong impulsive and foolish they get into a fight and Heiko has to break him up he tells them to get their things and they're all going back to the main cave as they're packing Heiko comments on her now and how women shouldn't be hunting and, and Liz loses her shit on him and goes off on a tangent and he's just like smiling at her being like freaking out over it he's just like he's like okay man yeah (laughs) whatever settle down they pack all their things and they head out they have a couple hours to get to the next hunting cave before dark they set up camp for the night hayden takes the first watch and rahash goes to get her fresh meat she's all along with the heiko and she asks after the other girls and if everyone is okay so he kind of fills her in on the gossip of who resonated, who's acclimating well, who's not. Right. All that juicy gossip. He mentions that a lot of the other bachelors go out to hunt because it's too crowded. And with everyone resonating, it's kind of uncomfortable. Everyone's just fucking. Everyone's like. <laughs> and the yeah. people that are just like, damn, I wish I was fucking. Yeah. <laughs> he mentions that there used to be so many more of the tribe, but. Prior to the accident that happened a couple of years ago, 15 years ago, uh, Kui sickness killed a lot of the other ones. That's why there's not as many women. Oh, damn. Yeah. She asks about Rahash and his family and if he has family back at the cave. And then Ahiko tells her about Rahash's His mother, Daya. Uh-oh. Call back. Another Daya. Never liked his father, Vashan. Vashan? Vashan. He was not a very patient man and Daya was in love with someone else. But when the Kui chooses, it chooses. Rahash was their child and when he was five, his mother resonated for his father anew, which meant another child. So apparently like their Kuis can just die down and okay. resonate again when they're supposed to be pregnant. She insisted that she did not want to have another baby with him and refused to have anything to do with him. She even went to the chief, which was Vectal's father at the time, but the chief declared that she needed to have his child and it couldn't be avoided. But she didn't have to live with him. So that made his dad super mad. He lost his temper, kidnapped his wife from the tribe. He took her and Rahash away and didn't return. Um, Aheko mentions that they looked for them for many years, but no one could find them. Damn. It was as if they disappeared. Then after the Kui sickness had killed a bunch of people... Bashan, however you want to say his name, returned with only Rahash, and Rahash was covered in the scars as you see him with now. They asked where Daya was in the new child, but he said that they were dead, killed by Metlax. Damn. Yeah. Sad. So his mom and possibly his sibling would be alive if he didn't get like kidnapped or to take her away. So the chief punished his dad with exile, and Rahash was left with the tribe to be raised. Uh-huh. So he wasn't allowed to be with his dad anymore. Poor Rahash. The Heiko also mentions that some odd years later, Rahash went to go look for his dad, but all he found was an empty cave with a bunch of animal-eaten leathers. So they think that his dad got eaten by other animals. Oh, yeah. Rahash comes back with food and she notices that he used her bow to kill it. 
like, that's sexy and gives him a bunch of kisses. Thanks for eating it. We go to Rahasha's POV and he notices her good mood and is immediately like, why is this bitch so happy? Yeah, he's like, what'd you do? up to when she's quiet when she's happy he's like you're up to something yeah oh i got this is not normal where's my pissed girl can i put that's kind of sad that she's happy and he's like something's up with you yeah what are you doing wrong that's kind of messed up he's nervous to go back without her being pregnant because he says that he broke the laws of the tribe i put i'm assuming vector's laws about letting the women decide for themselves but if they see that like she's down Mm -hmm. for it you'd think yeah but he still broke the she wasn't willing when he took her yeah Yeah, that's true so he's super nervous to go see what his punishment is after eating and hearing stories of a heiko they want to go to bed but hayden mentions that she needs to stay by the fire where the two can see her Mm -hmm. and she's like shut the fuck up hayden i'm with my residence me okay i'm fine she's like i I need to fuck and I do it in front of your face. <laughs> Rahash mentions that they should sleep by the fire so he knows. Just be be nice, Liz. Yeah. Do what they're asking. And she's like, no. <laughs> so they go, they have Hayden and Heiko go away from the fire and she slides her hand out of stomach, grabs Dick. Oh, and he's like, oh my God, stop. There are people. There's a people here. He's like, ew. She absolutely doesn't care. She's too horny. Too horny. Imagine just being like ruled by your horniness. I, that's a no. Is this a no? Let me make you feel good, she whispers. I feel her tugging at the ties to my loincloth. <laughs> then the leather falls away and I feel her hot little hand around my cock. I bite down on my hand to keep from moaning aloud. Her hand tightens around the base of my cock and I feel her when she giggles. <laughs> your penis. <laughs> then rumps the head against her lips. God, you're so hard already. That's sexy, Rahash. That's sexy. Liz's lips close over my cock head. Cock head? <laughs> and I feel her tongue swirl over it. I nearly spill my seed right then. Instead, I bite down harder on my hand, determined to be silent so this lasts longer. My body arches, and I want to press further into her mouth, into that warm wet that reminds me of her cunt. Her tongue laps at my cock. So much pre-cum for me, she murmurs. Ew. Ew. I am beside myself with pleasure, and when she makes soft little noises of delight and her cooey vibrates, it pleases me even more. Then her mouth clamps down on the head of my cock and starts sucking again. She takes me deeper, working my length down her tongue until I can feel my cock butt up against the back of her throat and her cooey begins to vibrate even harder. It is like nothing I have ever felt before. Even biting my hand cannot stifle my groan, and I come then, my seed spurting into her hot, wet mouth. She makes soft little noises of pleasure, and I feel her swallow even as she releases my cock, and she's drinking it. (laughs) (laughs) But he wants to grab her pants and reciprocate, but she's like, no. She tells him that she did this for his pleasure and for she wanted them to hear, not to reciprocate. That way they know that she's with him willingly. Yeah. Like she's not being raped or anything like okay. that. He replies, you are everything to me, Liz. My world, my heart. I love you. Oh. She doesn't respond. <laughs> she's like, oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're just friends. <laughs> they are just friends right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, she doesn't respond and he wonders if she loves him or if that even matters as long as she's with him. And then he starts to finger her. <laughs> He's like, okay, I guess I'll finger you then. If I 
As long as I can have this, I guess that's fine. He's like, oh, no, I don't love you. I love your vagina. Just, I was talking to your pussy. <laughs> Her cunt is soaked with honey, and I drag my finger... <laughs> And I drag my fingers through her juicy folds, even as I knot my other hand in her hair and angle her mouth. I know. (laughs) So I can kiss her and mate her tongue with mine. She whimpers again and the sound louder and I muffle it with my lips. Surely the others can guess what we are doing, but Liz's cries of pleasure are mine alone. I slide a finger deep inside her and begin to thrust, mimicking my cock. Her hips raise and she murmurs against my throat. My clint, she says over and over again, and I realize she wants me to touch it, even as I pump into her with my hand. I angle my thumb over it and brush the nub of it while thrusting my finger into her, and she cries out loudly. This time there is no muffling that I hear, a low comment by the fire, and then the sound of someone walking away, further from the camp. They're probably like, oh my god. <laughs> we got away from the cave. Okay, get a room. Yeah. <laughs> when he's done fingering her, he licks his hand clean and she calls him a filthy barbarian. You filthy barbarian. <laughs> then we jump back to Liz's POVs. They fall asleep. They make it back home to the tribal cave and she notices how it doesn't look very impressive on the outside. She like walks up to it and she's like, gross. Our cave was better. Yeah. She likes it better. Yeah, she does. Georgie greets her in a huge hug with a bunch of squealing as well as um, all the other human women. She gets a bit emotional seeing everyone's glowing blue eyes and they're healthy, but seeing Kira makes the tears fall. Um, Georgie wants to know if Rahash has been kind or if he's hurt her. She looks at him and he looks miserable standing back. So she says loudly that he has been wonderful and she even like blows a kiss. Love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone goes inside and she notices that the caves were not what she was expecting. Georgie comments how everyone's been super wonderful and amazing and accommodating, but Liz notices it is very crowded, like way too crowded. Yeah, there's so many of them now. How many women are there total? 21? I think so. Yeah, that sucks. That is so many. 24 other people. They were already there. Mm-hmm. She misses their quiet cave and she notices that Rahash isn't anywhere to be found, but Georgie's leading her towards Vectal and the healer. And she's like, I'm fucking fine. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. I'm good. They don't listen to her and they take her to Metlac or Melac's cave. You just take her to a Metlac cave. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna die now. Welcome back. They don't listen to her. They take her to Melac's cave to get checked out. And she, again, is like, no one's fucking listening to me. I'm good. Yeah. But Georgie's like, it's fine. She's just going to talk to your cootie. So apparently Malak, the woman healer, can like talk to your cootie. She can be like, hey, how's it going? She gets diagnostics. Yeah, from the cooey. <laughs> uh, I put, this is not mentioned in book one. No, well, because remember, yeah. she was like, I can't help you if you don't have the cooey. Oh, yeah. So she couldn't diagnose Georgie in the book. Makes sense. <laughs> Malak grabs Liz's hands and closes her eyes. Liz can feel her cooey, like, vibrating and moving around. Okay. She's never felt it, like, actually move before. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, she says she feels like she's had a massage. Like, she just feels, like, rejuvenated. So whatever Malak did talking to it, like, made her body oh, go nice. great. Mm. She also learned she's pregnant already. With child. You are with child. You she... will give birth to anyone. <laughs> scary. Yes. It's even going to be more scary. She mentions how she's not surprised, but she doesn't know how she feels about it. And she doesn't know how she feels about it only because she is 22. 
And this is not the path that she would have taken for herself. Yeah. Yeah. But Georgie continuously keeps asking if he raped her. And she's like, um, no. Fuck off, Shorshi. It's Shorshi. Georgie also tells her, okay, but settle in for a while. Because apparently the women here take three fucking years before they birth a child. You are pregnant for three goddamn three years. That's the... The, um, what are they called? The Sakui? Is that what they're called? I can't remember. I think it's, they're called the Sakui. They are pregnant for three years. Humans are pregnant for nine months. So they're like anywhere between nine months and three years, you could have your baby. Yes. So buckle up. Is Georgie already showing or no? No, I don't think so. Okay. It doesn't mention. It's only been a month, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Okay. They leave Malak's cave and Liz has a sense that there's tension with her and Rahash being here. Like, she knows that something is about to happen. Yeah. Um, Bechtel is keeping them separated and Liz is like, where's my fucking man? Georgie mentions that he broke the rules, so now he's in big, big trouble. But Liz is like... I know he broke the rules, but it's fine. We're maiden now. I'm already fucking pregnant. Yeah, she's like, I, I like him. I banged him only a couple days ago and I'm fucking pregnant. Yeah. We're good. A couple of warriors bring Rahash in and he's visibly pissed. He has a, even has a bruise on his jaw, so he put up like a fight to see her. When she sees him, she starts crying and he pushes through the crowd to get to her. He grabs her and holds her to his chest where their cooties start vibrating loudly. He asks her what's wrong and she says that she wants them to go somewhere by themselves so they can talk. They inform Rahash that his cave has been given to someone else, so it's not looking good for the two of them. They're like... No. We already kicked you out. Yeah. No cave for you, bitch. <laughs> yeah. But Kira's nice enough and says that they can use her bed because it's probably as private as they're going to get. So they put all like the unmated women into one cave with like a bunch of cops. Okay. They're like, you don't get anybody. Losers. They finally get a moment alone and she tells him that she's worried about him because his tribe is being an asshole to him. She also lets him know that she supports him and she's on his side. And he looks speechless for a moment because he's never had that. Yeah. She is finally able to say that she loves him and she also tells him that she's pregnant. With child. Uh, You're gonna be a daddy. Yeah, and he's very happy because that's all he wanted is a family. Oh, I know. That's really sad. Kill, 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 kill. They fall asleep and sometime later, Georgie's waking her up and saying that they're both being summoned by, by Vectal. They get to like the little chamber where Vectal is summoning them and he informs Rahash that it's time to say goodbye to his mate. He's exiled. No! Yeah. She is freaking the fuck out and Vectal also informs Liz that she will not be leaving with him. She's not exa- exiled either and she will be staying there pregnant with no Rahash. No. Because they're going to like prioritize the baby. Yeah. No. Hands are grabbing at Liz and pulling her away while Rahash is trying to fight to get to her. They finally hold him down and separate them and he's dragged out, which is kind of traumatic. Yeah, what the fuck? We jump to Liz's POV. She is literally never alone now. Someone is always next to her or making sure she doesn't like try to escape to go to him. Mm -hmm. She sits around the fire with one of the other girls and they're talking about how summer will be super nice here and blah, blah, blah. Like Liz is like, what the fuck are you talking about? It is summer. Yeah. And... It's only going to get worse. She notices that the other aliens haven't been very honest to the girls. Like, they've just, like, been like, here, here's stuff to make you happy. Like, live your lives. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, hey, it's, it's about to get worse. Yeah, it's literally about to get worse. Here's how the planet works. Here's how it's going to work in the winter time, the actual winter time. Right. And the girls are like, what the fuck? Wait, what? Now they're, like, <laughs> starting to, like, the record out. Yeah, pretty much. And then Liz is like, I'm going to use this to my advantage. I'm going to scare the fucking shit out of these girls. There you go. Get them. Do it. 
Sneaky, sneaky. Get a girl, get a girl. Uh-huh. Kira is pissed that Liz is like caught, like stirring the pot, like just causing trouble. Mm-hmm. And she's like, did it ever occur to you that we're all dependent on their goodwill? They know how to survive here. We don't. They can hunt here and know the planet. We don't. Before they took us in, we didn't know how to build a fire or even feed ourselves. Look around you, Liz. There's no grocery store or snow cone shack here. There's no Walmart for warm clothing and there's no central heat. So I don't want you pissing off these people, understand? Because if we have to end up back in the snow again on our own, there's a lot worse that could happen to us than doing a little sewing. True. Yeah, true. That's true. Liz is left alone and she's kind of like, oh shit, my bad. But also like, fuck you guys. Yeah, I would have been like, you know what, fuck you. Fuck you. Um, yes. Liz wakes up with her first day of morning sickness. So five days pregnant, she's like throwing up her brains already. Jesus. She rushes outside to throw up and Kira is already out there with Georgie. Georgie also has morning sickness. They both want a bath, so they go take one since it's finally empty for once because they have that big community pool. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. In the bath, Georgie mentions that Rahash has brought four quilled beasts killed for his mate and they keep shooing him away. So he's like killing things and being like, give this to Liz, please. Like, I have to keep feeding her. Like, she's yeah. my mate. That's all I must uh, provide. Must provide. Liz gets very emotional because she actually does miss him. Georgie mentions that Bechtel is being so harsh because there are six girls unmated. If he lets up on Rahash, that means other males can kidnap the remaining girls like he did and force the girls to resonate. Liz tells Georgie it isn't the same because he was already resonating for her and she for him once she had the kuitin. Yeah. Then Georgie drops a bomb. Oh, God. Georgie hesitates, then blows out a long breath. Don't get mad, okay? Just know that I already diffused the situation. Vecto wants things settled and calm as soon as possible so everyone can go back to their normal lives. And there's a few males that are widowers with grown children. No, I growl immediately. I know where this is heading and absolutely fucking not. No, no, and hell no. He thought they would be willing to take on a mate and a child, she says quickly, but I told him humans don't really work like that and it would be really bad. I can't believe him. I explode at her. Are you fucking serious? Rahash has been exiled a day and he's trying to marry me off to someone else. So he's like, there's unmated males that are willing to take care of somebody else's child. So he's like, Liz can go to one of them. Rahash was or Bechdel? Bechdel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's like, you're going to get a stepdaddy. You will fuck another man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is also kind of just equally as bad as being kidnapped by Rahash. Yeah. Right? They're just like taking away all of her power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not fair. Liz describes the tribal caves after this little tidbit of information as pure torture over the next couple of days. She's surrounded by happy couples in PDA, so she decides one night to try to sneak out. But Aheko catches her. He says he's willing to let her go outside and talk to Rahash if she does something for him. She asks what, and he replies, Suck my dick. No. No, he's a sweet boy. Is he? Yeah. Good. He says, you must tell him that he needs to leave here. He cannot stay. When I gape, he continues. It's killing him. He's hunting endlessly and not sleeping. He feels his only purpose is to provide for you. So he is destroying himself to do so. He has no sense of worth at the moment. You must convince him to leave and start a new life. So he's literally like withering away and dying, trying to keep providing for her. Just let him back. He takes her out of the cave and goes to see Rahash. Then we go to Rahash's POV. The only thing keeping him going is rage and the need to provide for Liz. 
He can't remember the last time he rested or ate for himself. He only knows he needs to provide for her even if he can't see her. And then he sees two figures approaching and notices one of them is Liz, so he like rushes for them. She notices how cold it is out and tells him that he needs to be by a fire, not out hunting at night. She also notices how skinny he already is and that he's not eating properly. He tells her that he doesn't care about himself though and he touches her everywhere and asks her about the baby. She tells him that Heiko is with her so she can't run away because if she were alone, she definitely would run away. Yeah. She gets a look on her face and he knows that she's planning something. She tells him that she needs a couple of days for her plan, but needs to promise her that he'll take care of himself so they can be together. So he's like, you cunning little meeks. What are you up to? What do you do, my dog? We go to Liz's POV. The first present from a widower shows up at her in the bachelorette cave for her. So someone is literally already taking the opportunity to be like, here's a present. Hey, hey. <laughs> Slide on in and shoot my shot. Give yeah. me you and that baby. <laughs> at first, she's really mad about it, but she's like, actually, this works out perfectly. She offers a present to another female in the cave. And Jordy's like, bitch, stop causing problems. No, that was for you, not for her. And she's just like, it's fine. It's fine. And the other girl can use it. It was like some type of herbal tea or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's definitely stirring the pot because now she's bringing up different situations to make, like, just cause havoc. She's like lying about seasons um, and not hot. She's just being a total fucking dick until she's trying to get herself exiled. She's just trying to like be a nuisance. Uh-huh. She's just like, I'm going to cause the most trouble ever. There you go. They can't do anything. I am miserable and I'm going to make it everybody's problem. Yeah, there you go. Her and Kira go to get more soap berries while outside she doesn't see Rahosh, which is the perfect time for the last part of her plan because the Heiko is like joining them, being the guard since she always has a fucking person watching her. Yeah. She pretends to twist her ankle and her basket is like thrown from her. She's like, oh, my ankle. And like, ah. Tosses her basket like 20 feet away. <laughs> she's like, Kira, please grab the basket for me. Heiko, help me up. And she's like, here we go again. Helps him up, grabs his knife. It's like, I have another hostage. <laughs> she's like, I will. I love a kill. He's like, oh, no. Not me. This <laughs> tiny human could never hurt me. You are overpowering me. <laughs> he does look amused, but he complies. She tells Kira to go to the cave and tell everyone her conditions of release. <laughs> Kira leaves and Liz gives Aheko his knife back and he agrees to stay and be her captive. Aww. He's like, what are we doing? This is fun. Yeah. He's like, okay, homies. <laughs> yeah, cool. They're talking about uh, what human women like and she's giving him pointers and she's still kind of like starting shit. Because he's into Kira. Yeah, he's into Kira. But they haven't resonated. Ah, he's got a little crushy crush on her. He's like, watching mm-hmm. Yeah, but since she's trying to fuck everybody else's plans up, she's like, human men give the women they want to be a special gift, and he's like intrigued. He's like, oh, okay, what is it? What gift? And she nods and says, a replica of his penis made out of leather or wood or bone, so she can try him out and see if she likes what he brings to the table. <laughs> Instead of looking- This is human custom. (laughs) All human men do this. Instead of looking shocked, because he doesn't know any better, he's like, I do have a nice cock. (laughs) He's like, hmm. She's like, I'm sure. And a large spur. Very large. Do I include that as well in my replica? And she's like, good question. Human men don't have spurs, but sure, include it. (laughs) You're a little troublemaker. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
there are people finally coming in the distance and she asks, she's like, okay, buddy, give me the knife back. We got to keep the charade. Vectal is among one of the people coming over the hill and he looks fucking mad but she technically kidnapped someone so now does she need to be exiled and he's like no this is way different situation you're not fucking exiled like, damn it no exile me he doesn't understand why she would choose her mate over the comfort of the tribe and she's like it's not my fucking tribe i don't know you people i hate you guys this ain't my tribe bitch <laughs> Aheko speaks up and says that they should make rahash live with liz because that's punishment enough haha <laughs> <laughs> Bechtel tells them to go and grab Rahash so all the elders can talk and Liz goes with Georgie. She's in the cave for what feels like days. She's barely seen anyone and hasn't seen a majority of the males. Then there's a commotion at the front of the cave and she sees Rahash. He rushes to her and they kiss and their cooties are singing. He calls her crazy and then they get told that they need to meet with Bechtel to hear their punishment. They get into the room and Georgie winks at her. So she's like, Maybe the punishment's not too bad if my friend is like, Georgie's got her. Good, Georgie's got her back. She's like, don't worry, you'll be fucking in no time. (laughs) Yeah, calm down, girl. I got this. You and your mate will be exiled to the hunter caves for the next two and a half years or until your kit, is what they call a baby, until your kit arrives. You must remain out on the hunt for seven days to every one. You must bring enough meat to feed the tribe and fill the ice storerooms for two of the brutal seasons. Our numbers have grown, but our number of hunters has not, and this will be more important than ever. You will have no family cave until your punishment has been removed. Should you endanger the lives of other tribes' mates at any time, exile will once more become permanent. So after two and a half years of them literally hustling to like, Fill the food stores, the ice storerooms, like all of that stuff. Then yeah. They're fine to come back or get their own cave again. Which is like what she wanted. She wanted to go out hunting with him. She doesn't want to be in the yeah. cave. Yeah. They learn that they actually begin their hunt tomorrow. So they have to go pack all their stuff. Once Liz is with Georgie and Kira packing, she hugs Georgie because she knows this was her idea. Georgie gives her parting advice, specifically two words, doggy style. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, hit it from the back. Yep. Rahash collects her and she says her goodbyes for now. She can't wait to be alone with him and go hunting. But they aren't alone yet. They're the hunter caves with literally everyone else. So what the hunter caves are, are all for the unmated men. So there's just hella dudes. Hella dudes. Stinky dudes in one cave and that's where they have to fucking live. For two and a half hours. So they have to live with other... Yes. All the other hunters. So while they're out hunting, they can live in the hunter's caves. Yes. So they don't have to be in the hunter's caves. No. But uh, tonight okay, before I go you. out. Gotcha. They lay down for the night before they leave in the morning and she has a new plan. This bitch is full of plans. She wants to get all the hun- other hunters to leave. So she starts saying dirty things to Rahash. <laughs> and it works. All the other... Like, I'm going to annoy the shit out of it. Yes. Everyone's yeah. like, I'm fucking leaving. You guys are disgusting. You guys are gross. <laughs> um, he gets her pants off once they're finally alone and removes his own clothes too. She feels something flick up and down her vagina. It's his tail. Ugh! She remembers what Georgie says and flips over. He pushes into me and I cry out because it feels so amazing. Inch by delicious inch, he works his cock into me and I wiggle and push back against him, determined to speed things along. Just when I think I can take no more of him and feel stretched to my limits, something nudges against my ass and prods. Oh God, that has to be his spur. And there aren't words for how good it feels. My fingers dig into the furs and I cry out again. So she knows what Georgie's talking about. She goes, oh, that little spur. Yeah. He doesn't fuck her long before she's already coming and then he comes too. His dick is still in her. I think that's so 
that they just like leave their dicks in. That's a trope. I it's weird. Every single book. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. Like they just sit there talking with the like yeah, mm-hmm. or they like stay. There's one. It's in like monster romances. It's called nodding. So like in some monsters, when they finish, there there's like a bulb on their penis that like expands. So they have to stay together. Oh, like a dog. Like an uh, okay, and that's a thing. But this is different because they're doing it for just because they can but there's a name for it i can't remember what it is weird so while his dick is just still in here they're not having sex he asks if she's sure about exile with him and she says yes she's sure and that her he is her life now she wants to be with him and she loves him the end oh my gosh together forever forever so okay yeah i did i kind of like rosh i kind of like him a lot more than back oh did you did you like this one more than the first one? I don't know. Like samesies? Kinda yeah, kinda samesies. I think I kinda liked the first one a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I like Rahosh. I like his character and I really like Liz. So the next book is Kira and Ahako, I think. Um, I'm like ninety nine percent sure. Oh really? hmm So if you want to, we can do that one in a few weeks. If you're invested in the story. Let's do it. Ah. Are you guys invested in this story? Oh, everyone? Oh, me? Not everyone. Our listeners. Because I don't. <laughs> we don't care. I've already read them, so. Yeah. We know how you feel about these books. Me. How many red pepper emojis, Riley? Give it like four. Okay. That's far four. I like it. A like solid it. four. Would you switch places with Liz? No. Still no. No, still no, no, no. But still big fat no. Rahash. Hot or not? I feel like he's kind of hot. His personality. Mm-hmm. He's like a big, big surly, grumpy man. Yeah. Male, but he cares for his woman. He's woman. That's the only person he likes. Yeah. Literally the only yeah. person. So I kind of like that. Okay. I know like your man's is only nice to you, but not everyone else. I love that. I yeah. Know. Fuck everyone else. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So next week we are reading Praise by Sarah Kate. We're going to show Riley the cover and she's going to give a good guess as to what she thinks this book is about. Okay, so we got a man on the front with like in a suit, but it's like open, like uh-huh. he's undressing. I feel like maybe it's like a a rich man uh-huh. type of deal with uh-huh. a girl that's like not rich. Okay, and she like he like gives her the life. Okay, yeah, that she wants. But you know, I'm fucking no. There's not a lot leading. No, that's to what this is about. He's the only thing on there. He's the only thing. He's Good looking. Yeah. Little hottie patati. Silver fox. Yeah. Ooh, he's older. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I can't wait. Let's stay tuned for next week. Yeah, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Make sure you follow us on social media at Smut Up and Listen Podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, but not your mom. Not your mom. And we'll see you later, you corny little rats.